Welcome to week three of our series, Authentic Prayer. We're so glad you're joining us today. And I have Sarah with me today. Hi, girls. Sarah is part of our staff here and part of our Bridge Women Leadership Team. And I'm so glad she's joining us. You're going to hear from her in a bit. But you know, if you are joining us today for the first time, we want to encourage you to get caught up on the previous messages in this series, or even consider joining joining one of our Bridge Women Connect groups who are going through this series together. Yes. And you can do that by going to the Bridge Women page on our church website, thebridgechurch.tv, and you can get all the info you need right there. But you know, in this series, we've really taken our title for this series, Authentic Prayer, from James 5 and verse 16 in the Passion Translation. I love that translation, and it says that there's tremendous power in the passionate, heartfelt prayer of a godly person. And, you know, a heartfelt prayer is an authentic prayer. And in this series, we really want to simplify prayer because I think a lot of times people are intimidated about prayer and, and wish that their prayers sounded like someone else's prayers. But it's the authentic, heartfelt prayer, the genuine prayer that is yours alone, that is powerful. And so as we go through this series, we're simplifying prayer by walking through the Lord's prayer that Jesus gave us and realizing that it's really a model for prayer. And as we walk verse by verse through the Lord's Prayer, we're going to see other prayers in the Bible and other scriptures about prayer and see how all of it ties into this model, this framework for prayer that Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer. And as we do that, as we walk through this framework, we're using the word pray as an acronym just to make it simple for us to remember this model for prayer, okay? So last week, we looked at the first verse in the Lord's Prayer, and we used the P in the word pray, and we saw that praise is a really important part of our prayer life. It's a vital part of our prayer life. But today we're going to move on to the second verse in the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to look at Matthew 6, verse 10, where Jesus says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Speaking of the Father's will, the Father's kingdom and you know, I think that's a prayer that so often we all pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done in my life. But very often we don't recognize that in order for his will to be done in our lives, it requires a releasing of our will. And we don't always like that. <laughs> no, we don't always like that. So the R in our acronym for PRAY stands for RELEASE. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, releasing our will so we can see God's will in our life. And I think our fleshly human nature resists that because we like to be in control. I know I like to be in control. How about you? 
How I like about to be you? in control. <laughs> not going to lie. <laughs> we want our ducks in a row. We want to know what's coming next. What's happening in the future? How things are going to unfold? We want to be in control of it all. We kind of like that. But the thing is, we're created to be dependent on God, not independent from him. He wants us to depend on him and see his will fulfilled in our lives. That's what we're created for. And so it is a little bit contrary to our human nature. But I love that the Bible shows us and gives us examples of people praying this kind of prayer prayer where they're exchanging their will for the will of the Lord. Now, David made this a regular part of his prayer life. And we see in Psalm 139, verse 23, where he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. You know, he's saying, okay, God, here I am. Search me. Search everything within me and show me the things that I need to release to you. Show me where maybe I'm holding on too tight, where I'm trying to take charge and be in control of things. Search me. Show me those things so I can release them to you and have your will and have you be in control. That's the kind of prayer that we should be praying regularly. This prayer of releasing control to God should be a regular part of our prayer lives. And you know, we see Jesus even praying a similar prayer. In Matthew 26 and verse 39, it's before Judas betrays Jesus. And he's off to pray, knowing what is coming. And it says there in verse 39, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. You see, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the horrific death that was in front of him. And although he was completely God, he was also man. He was in this flesh and blood body walking on the earth. And he knew what was coming. And he's pouring out his heart to God saying, okay, God, if there is any other way, if there's any way around this, but if not, not my will but yours. It's okay, God. I will exchange my will for your will to be done in my life. And the Bible tells us that he actually prayed this prayer three times before Judas betrayed him. It's a very raw, authentic prayer from his heart. And that's the kind of prayer that we should be praying as well. And you know, I think very often we get into a battle of wills. Now, generally, when we think about a battle of wills, we think about two people. And uh, maybe you've had a, a battle of the wills with a family member, maybe a child. Hey, if you know a mom of a strong-willed child, can I just say pray for her right now? <laughs> she needs it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but maybe it's a spouse. Maybe yeah. it's another family member or friend that you've gotten into a battle of the wills with. And so what usually happens with that? We kind of dig our heels 
in right. and yeah. and we know what we want, they know what they want, and we are both stubborn. Anyone else good at being stubborn? Me. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, so we just want to hold our ground so that we can have our way, right? But, you know, sometimes we can do that with the Lord also. And we can have a battle of the wills with him. And you might hear that and think, well, only a really rebellious person would have a battle of the wills with the Lord. But the Bible shows us that godly people had a battle of the wills with the Lord. People pursuing after him still had a battle of the wills. In Romans chapter 7, I love where Paul is just so real and transparent. And he says, I don't know what I'm doing because the things I do are the things I don't want to do. And the things I want to do are the things I'm not doing. And so he is so transparent and shows us here that he had this battle of the wills going on, that he wanted to do what God wanted. He wanted to see the Lord's will fulfilled in his life. But yet there were times that his will would take over and take charge and take control of his life. And we also have another very vivid example of this with Peter. And maybe you've never thought about this story like this before, but, you know, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times. And after Judas betrays Jesus and, and Jesus is taken, and taken before Pilate, And a lot of his followers had dispersed at this time. But Peter was there, and it says that he was in the courtyard of the high priest. And I think he was, he was waiting. He was listening. He was trying to figure out what's happening to my Jesus, my Jesus who I love. What is going to happen? And remember, when Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times, Peter said, oh, no way, impossible, that will never happen. But there he is in the courtyard. And in that moment when the pressure is on, three different times he had bystanders come past him and say, hey, you, aren't you with him? Aren't you with Jesus? And each time Peter's response was, no, I, I, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know him. And the third time when he heard that rooster crow, which Jesus told him he'd deny him three times before the rooster crowed. And when he heard that rooster crow, he knew, oh my gosh, I just did what I said I would never do. And I think in that moment when the pressure was on and maybe where fear was grabbing hold of him, he decided to take control, to take charge of the situation, to let his will lead him rather than giving himself over to the Lord's will. And it says that when that rooster crowed, he realized what happened and he began to weep bitterly. Now, somewhere along the way, we know that Peter, recognizing what he had done, that he stopped and he, 
made an adjustment and he released that control back to God. He released his will back to God and said, I want your will. We know that because after Jesus was resurrected, he came and he sought out Peter and he appeared to Peter. And then after Jesus ascended and they're in the upper room and the Holy Spirit comes upon them, it was Peter who shared this incredible gospel message and 3,000 people came to believe in Jesus. The will of the Father was accomplished through Peter's life. And I want to encourage you today. Maybe you are someone who has really tried hard to be in control of your life. Maybe you pride yourself in living in control of everything. Or maybe you've just recently kind of slipped back into taking over the reins and getting in the driver's seat. I want to encourage you today, don't beat yourself up over that. Don't condemn yourself, but rather release control to the Lord. And as soon as you do that, it just allows him back in the driver's seat and it allows his will to be accomplished in your life. And just as his will was beautifully accomplished through Peter, his will will be accomplished in your life as well when you release control to him. That's what he's looking for. And you know, I think there's so many different reasons, so many different things that can cause us to hold on to control and not want God to take over and take control. And sometimes it's fear. And I think very possibly in that instance with Peter, it was fear. But it can be other things too. Maybe it's offenses that have been picked up along the way or unforgiveness. And you know, those things can cause us to want to stay in control of how we navigate our relationships, especially those relationships where we're carrying that unforgiveness towards that person. But that can also really shape the course of our life if we're not willing to let go and release control to God and his will being done in those relationships. And maybe it's in the area of habits. Habits can cause us to hold on to control because we haven't given those things over to God. We don't really want him to be in control there because we kind of want to hold on to those habits in those areas. But it can be other things too. It can be even just with our preferences or our desires, our opinions, and our attitudes. Sometimes we don't realize that God wants to shape those things. He wants his will to be done in our attitudes, in our thinking, our mindsets as well. And he wants to be in charge of every area of our lives. But we like to be in charge, and that's what creates the problem. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And so what happens very often is that we're holding on to control, and we're controlling every area of our life, thinking we're doing doing good. We got it all together. But then you know what's going to eventually happen is that things start slipping between our fingers, and we start losing control. And little by little, we lose more and more control, and we feel like we're going to crash and burn. And then when we get to that point, what do we do? 
Sometimes we fall apart. Sometimes we we cry and have a pity party. <laughs> Sometimes we go find the latest self-help book or um, time management book, and we pull ourselves up and we think, okay, I'm going to reprioritize, and so I'm going to start doing things differently. I'm going to do it like this and this and this, I'm, and now I'm good. I'm back in control. I'm back in charge, and we run full speed ahead once again, trying to control everything. All the while, the Lord is just waiting with his arms open wide for us to just come and to be with him and to ask him to search our hearts and to show us where we need to make adjustments, to show us the things that we haven't released to him. And when we ask, he will always show us. We just have to listen and then act on what he's telling us to do. That's our part. And I know that you have had to walk that out and do your part in yes. your life. Would you share a little bit about that? I have had to walk that out a bit in my life. Um, and I know some of you know this story, so I won't go into too much detail. But when our son, who is uh, now eight, almost nine, was a baby, he was given a medical diagnosis that really just it shook us up and it was really hard to deal with. It changed our life. And so, um, you know, as we're taking all that information in, we became very fearful and I started grasping for control in every area of life. And, um, I wouldn't leave the house. I wouldn't take him to the grocery store. I, I isolated myself, and the more fearful I was, the more I tried to control. And the more I tried to control, the more I f afraid I became. And it was just this vicious, vicious cycle. And in that, I would pray, and I would cry out to God, and, God, why aren't you fixing this? God, God why would you let this happen? How could, how could you do this? How could you allow this? And, and I was yelling at him, and I was crying at him, and I was begging him. I was, I was praying but it wasn't a two-sided conversation and I wasn't listening and I wasn't asking any questions. I was really more making demands. And, um, you know, one day I came across this verse and I don't remember how or why, but I'm so thankful that God showed it to me. It's Psalm 27, 13 and 14. And it says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And that verse grabbed my heart right away. And at first I thought, well, wait. I've been waiting. It's, it's been several years. I'm waiting. And slowly, God taught me that that waiting is not a passive thing. It's not sitting back and doing nothing. But waiting on him is very active. And the way that he taught me to do that was within the context of prayer because I began asking him questions. God, okay, he's not healed yet. We're not seeing progress. I'm so afraid. Why am I afraid? Show me what am I really truly afraid of. Show me why I'm really isolating myself and my family. Show me, you know, what it is deep in my heart that I'm withholding from you and not letting you into those areas. And um, he's so faithful and he's so good and he did show me those things. And it wasn't unkind 
or condescending. You know, it was it was very gentle and and he showed me exactly why I was afraid. So I got out my journal and I started writing all of those things down. And then the next prayer I prayed was, show me what you say about those fears, God. And again, you know, through listening to his voice and through going to his words, I be, or his word, I began to find promises in scripture that he had given me where I could say no to this fear because God says yes here. You know, I don't have to be afraid that he would never be healed because Psalm 105 says he heals all our diseases. I don't have to be afraid that he can't meet my expectations because Ephesians 3.20 says he does far beyond whatever I could ever ask or imagine. And that was so encouraging to me. And so slowly I began to replace that fear or release that fear. And we began to have a relationship built on trust. That's so awesome. And, you know, I love that story because it shows the the action on our part that is necessary. And releasing, it's it's not just sitting back and saying, okay, God, whatever you're going to do, you're going to do. It requires action on our part. You see, God loves us so much that he doesn't force himself on us. He asks us to choose. In Romans 8, it talks about living controlled by the Spirit or controlled by our flesh. We have a choice. Are we going to let God be in control, or are we going to be in control? In Matthew 16, 26, it says that when we lose our life, that's when we find it. Releasing our will is necessary to finding God's will for our lives. And it really, like you said, Sarah, it really boils down to trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 tells us that we can trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And when we do, and when we acknowledge him in all of our ways, he will order our steps and he will direct our path. When we trust him, he leads us into the fullness of his will, his purposes, his plans, his promises for our lives. Now, I just want you to know this morning that you can trust him. You can trust him with all your heart. He works all things together for your good. He is with you. He is for you. He is on your side. He is completely trustworthy. And just remember that releasing control to him and fully trusting him, it's a process, as you heard. It's a process. <laughs> it's an ongoing process throughout our lives. But it starts when we just come to him and open our hearts to him with that raw, authentic prayer, asking him to search our hearts and then listening to what he says and acting on it, releasing our will in exchange for his. I want us to pray together and just right there where you're at in your group, or maybe you're just watching by yourself, just close your eyes and let's just pray together. Father, God, I just thank you that you desire to cause your will and your kingdom to be established in each of our lives. Father, forgive us for the times when we try to be in control, when we want our will above yours. Father, help us to be women who recognize that we can release our will 
and find freedom and fulfillment and purpose in you, in your will. Find our lives in you. So God, help us daily to come to you, to open every area of our hearts and our lives to you and ask you to search our hearts. And God, as we come and pray those prayers regularly, God, I pray that by your spirit, you would show us the areas that need adjusting, the things that need to be released to you. And God, help us to be women who will listen and who will follow through and release the things to you we need to release. Release control to you, God. Because, Father, we desire your will to be established and fulfilled in our lives every day. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, girls. Well, we've got some discussion questions. If you're doing this with others, things you can talk about together or things for you to think about if you're doing this by yourself. But the first question is, do you like to be in control? And if so, why? All right. Question two. Is there an area of life where you need to trust God more? And question three. What can you release to God to see more of his will unfold in your life? All right? Think about those things. Talk about those things and pray together. And then this week, daily, take time to ask God to search your heart and take time to listen to the things that need adjusting, whatever he tells you, the things that need to be released and follow through with whatever he speaks to your heart. All right. Love you girls. We're praying for you throughout the week. Have a great day. We are. Love you girls.